This podcast was produced by Big Night Media, a proud partner of Big Night Entertainment. Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. What's up, what's up, what's up? How we doing, how we doing? And welcome to episode 126, episode 126 of the Banner Branch Podcast. I am your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? Hope you had a super duper Tuesday night. I know I did. I know the Boston Celtics did. So let's talk about it. But first, you can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. And as you know, I'm part of the Big Night Media team with some awesome podcasts like, uh, let's see, Boston Uncommon with Joe Mast, 30 Flirty and Surviving, The Marky P Show, Those Girls You Know, Eat the Damn Cake, Drinks After Work, Let's Be Clear with Kayla, Burnt Toast, I'm the Promoter, He's the DJ, It's Always Something with JD, and of course, Big Night Breaks. And if you are a fan of sports cards and you are a fan of UFC, tonight on the Big Night Breaks Instagram page at Big Night Breaks at 8 p.m., Dana White is going to be joining Chris Costa to break some UFC cards. It's going to be pretty cool. You guys should check it out. Head over to the Big Night Breaks Instagram page tonight at 8 p.m. And as you also know, I am sponsored by Manscaped. Big Night Media is sponsored by Manscaped. And this is a Manscaped pod. And you can use the discount code BIGNIGHT, all one word, BIGNIGHT, for 20% off with free shipping with all of their awesome products like the Weed Whacker, the Lawn Mower, their great... uh, all their great ball trimmer stuff, their ball protection stuff, their ball smeller stuff, you name it, it's all fantastic. Use the code BIGNIGHT for 20% off and free shipping. Hey, guess what? The Celtics won the first ever play-in game at TD Garden, the first actual play-in game outside of the bubble. The, the Well, first off, it, it's not the official first one. The first one was the Hornets and the Pacers, and the Pacers absolutely destroyed absolutely destroyed the Hornets. And what do you know? Terry Rozier didn't show up in a big game. But all year people are saying, oh, Terry Rozier's better than Kemba Walker. Hmm. I saw tonight, or because I am recording after the game tonight, so if I do sound like I had a little bit too much fun, that's because it's true. Anyways, uh, but I saw Kemba Walker be in a big position tonight and play well. I saw Terry Rozier in a big position tonight and not play well. And where have I seen that before? Oh, yeah, every single game that has mattered. My bad. Anyways, the Celtics did beat the Washington Wizards 118 to, was it 118 to 100 or 118 to 110? Yes, it was 118 to 100, and they are now playing the Brooklyn Nets in the first round of the playoffs. It all starts in Brooklyn at 8 p.m. on Saturday night. Probably not ideal, but here we are. So let's break down this Wizards game and figure out the good, the bad, what the Celtics can improve on, what the Celtics need to continue to do, etc., etc. 
First off, I love the way the Celtics pushed the ball early, and they didn't let the Wizards set up their defense. I thought that was great. Luckily, the Celtics got two quick fouls on Rui Hachimura and got some balance scoring from everyone. I mean, the Time Lord scored, Evan Fournier scored, Marcus Smart hit some shots early, Kemba hit some shots early, and Jason Tatum slowly got into the game. I you. I don't want to say Jason Tatum got off to a slow start because if you could actually seen some of the first quarters that he's had as of late, you can say, oh no, that was a very fast start for him. But it wasn't It wasn't fast, it wasn't slow, it was just A-OK. But the thing that was really concerning was the fact that the Time Lord looked exhausted early. Like in that first quarter, I think he was like five or six minutes into the first quarter, he just looked wiped. And I get it. The parquet, the parquet toe, the... the turf toe, whatever the hell he has, obviously he, you, you can't really train on that. So I'm sure his conditioning was down and that's understandable, but he got hurt at the end of the second quarter, had to get helped off into the locker room. He came back and he played like 90 seconds, maybe two minutes. And to be honest with you, I loved it. And I respect that kid so much who, because that kid has gotten so much shit about how he's made out of glass, how he can never stay healthy. And that kid just said, you know what? This game matters. This is important. I'm going to take a shot. Whether I think it, he took the shot last week, tried to work on it, tried to come back. I respect the kids so much. Like That is what being a Celtic is, is all about, in my opinion, because most players in the league would just hobble off and call it a night. But the Time Lord came back. So salute to the Time Lord. Wish we saw him out there more. But, I mean, he played 14 minutes. He was a plus eight, four rebounds, one assist. I mean, really nothing, you know, that jumps off the page. But him being out there is a good thing for the Boston Celtics, for sure. I mean, you also felt good as a Celtics fan when Bradley Beal went up for a dunk. I think it was early or late in the first quarter. And he went up, dunked it, and then instantly grabbed his leg. And I don't want to see anyone hurt. But obviously, if you're playing against a great talent like Bradley Beal, a talent that I hope is part of the Boston Celtics in some way, shape, or form down the road. I don't care what has to happen. Just don't trade uh, Jason Tatum. But at the same time, it's just never going to happen. But with that being said, Bradley Beal is an unbelievable talent. And the fact that that guy dropped 22 points on 10 of 25 shooting and played 36 minutes on a bum hang on, on a uh, bum hamstring, salute to him as well. But he grabbed that hamstring early after he hit that fast break dunk, he wasn't 100%, but I would take Bradley Beal 50% over most guys in the league today. But the first two guys off the bench were Tristan Thompson and Aaron Neesmith, which I love. Tristan Thompson was sneaky good. And to be honest with you, one of the better players on the floor tonight, he had a double-double. And that, if you ask me, that's all that I want Tristan Thompson to do. Come in, bring in some energy minutes, rebound the ball, and maybe not take nine shots, but hey, he hit him. He was a plus 15, 12 points, 12 rebounds, and he passed the ball. Usually Tristan Thompson, when he's in the post, he doesn't give a damn about anything or anyone. But tonight, he passed the ball. He got Evan Fournier in open three in the corner one time. Thankfully, Evan moved around without the ball, so that was great. And then Aaron Neesmith. He came off the bench as well. He he hit one three-pointer. He was one of four. All of them were three-pointers. I'm okay with that. Aaron Neesmith's a good shooter. He played 14 minutes. He defended well. I'm all for it. He, he has been put in like a weird tough spot lately where he got a lot of minutes, and then Brad just kind of stopped playing him the last you know f- few games because I don't know if either 
Brad trusted him or he wanted tryouts for some other guys. But it was great to see that Brad was like, hey, you know what, Rook? I still trust you. Go on in and make it make an impact. And he did. So congratulations to Aaron Neesmith there. But the thing that really bugged me was Ish Smith. I talked about it in episode 125 that the Celtics have to be concerned with Ish Smith. Yes, Russell Westbrook's really good. Yes, Bradley Beal's really good. But Ish Smith, who almost got a triple-double uh, the very last game of the season against the Hornets, is a very, very good player. And he came out at the end of the first quarter, started the second quarter, and he went off. He went absolutely crazy. And it really and truly annoyed me. He finished with 17 points, and I'm pretty sure he had 11 points before the end of the first quarter. I'm, I'm sorry, before the end of the first half. So, obviously, he cooled off a bit, but I mean... 17 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals in 26 minutes for a guy off the bench. Holy guacamole. You'll take that any day of the week. I mean, Peyton couldn't guard him. Kemba couldn't guard him. And the best part of, like, the best part about his game is he catches the ball and he just goes. He doesn't give a fuck. He just literally puts his head down and attacks the rim. And if the shot isn't there, he dribbles it out, gets it out, and then they run their offense. It was, it was crazy. But speaking of... You know, concern. Obviously, Ish Smith playing like that was a concern because he really and truly helped the Wizards get back into the game. And because the Celtics, I felt, were in a good spot. And next thing you know, you're like, oh my God, they're only up six at the end of the first quarter. That's not good. But Shemi Ojolet came in. I don't understand why Shemi came in. I didn't want Brad to overthink the rotations. I didn't want Brad to go too deep with the rotations. Brad played 10 guys tonight. I understand, you know, why you play nine of them. But I I don't know. I like Shemi as a person. I don't know if I like him as a player. Shemi didn't do that much. He only played eight minutes. He played in the first half, in the first half only, if I remember correctly. And I don't know. I just didn't like it. Romeo played 14 minutes. And, folks, I'll be honest. Romeo was okay. He he really and truly was. I mean, he he had one shot. It was a nice, tough layup. He was a plus four. He had four rebounds, defended well. But if you ask me, if you miss a free throw and you come off the bench, I don't like that. And I I called it too because the game wasn't over yet when Romeo Langford went to the free throw line. And I looked at my buddy Brian, who I went to the game with last night, and I said, if this kid misses a free throw, I swear to God. And he did. But, hey, he hit the second one. Good for Romeo, a nice little turnout for Romeo, but I really just want it to be Pritchard, Neesmith, and Thompson off the bench. Now, if Time Lord can't play, and then you got to figure out if Cornette or, I don't know, I guess Shemi or Romeo, I don't know. It, it all depends on the matchup. I mean, after DeAndre Jordan goes out, yes, I understand they have Claxton too, but I'm not really concerned about that. I don't think... Romeo or Shemi could defend him, and I don't think Grant Williams can defend him either. So I hope we see more Cornette versus those three that I just mentioned in the Brooklyn Nets series. But again, I'm spiraling. Who knows? The Celtics shot 5 of 10 from 3 in the first quarter, and then they went 0 of 12 from 3 in the second. And this is where I go with my first of the year, hopefully the first of many, the stud and dud playoff edition Hit the music. And now, it is time for your Celtic stud and dud playoff edition. Okay, your stud and dud of the game 
play-in edition, playoff edition, whatever the case may be, the stud is Jason Tatum for dropping a 50-piece nugget. Jason Tatum was absolutely incredible. He scored from everywhere. 17 of 17 from the three-throw line. 5 of 12 from three. Eight boards, four assists, a plus 25, 50 points, two blocks, only turn, only two turnovers, played 41 minutes. He was terrific. The best part about it is he wanted it. If you listen to episode 125, I said Jason Tatum needs to be a leader. And Jason Tatum, before the game, talked about, hey, I'm not going to be one of those leaders that yells at guys. I'm going to take the guy over to the corner and talk to him privately. And, hey, I'm not saying that's an effective way to lead, but if that's Jason Tatum's way to lead, that's fine. But Jason Tatum, what he did on the floor was exactly what I asked for in episode 125. Jason Tatum had to take a step as a leader, take a step as the next NBA upcoming star, and he did that. He dropped 50 points in a very important game against a good Washington Wizards team. I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, well, they're only 34 and 35 this year, or 34 and 38, whatever the hell their record was this year. But they... Within the last 10, 12 games of the season, they were one of the best teams in the NBA. They had to fight because they sucked early in the year, and they flipped the switch, and they had to fight. So this was a good win, and no one's going to, you know, I know a lot of people said, oh, the Minnesota Timberwolves game where Tatum dropped 53 was a fake 53. Okay, yeah, sure, it was against the Minnesota Timberwolves, not ideal. This is a good game. Yes, I understand Bradley Beal, the guy who was guarding him for the most part, wasn't that healthy, but Jason Tatum, no matter who was guarding him, scored, and he gets the stud of the playoff game, the very first edition of Stud and Dud playoff edition. And then the Dud, folks, is Celtics fans. And listen, I know I'm the I know I'm not the most positive person in the world. I battle depression. I'm very negative. I have no problem admitting that. I know about it. I'm working on it with my therapist. But the Celt but some of these people that just go zero to a hundred with these Celtics games are insane to me. So many people were like you, like I think it was with like five minutes to go in the second quarter. There was a timeout, and then I just went on Twitter, and it was just an absolute cesspool of people complaining and complaining and complaining. And I don't get it. Like, yes, the Celtics dropped twenty-five points in the first quarter. Yes, they dropped fifty-two points in the second quarter, and people bitched and bitched. And here's the thing. The offense wasn't the issue. Yes, the Celtics went 0 of 12 from 3. 0 of 12 from 3 in the second quarter. But guess what? They also gave up 33 points in the second quarter versus 21. But no one complains about that. Everyone has to complain about the offense. The Celtics, for the fourth time in five years, finished in the top 10 in offense in the NBA. They were a bottom 12 team on defense this year. The worst in the Brad Stevens era. But no, no one wants to complain about that. Like, it's absolutely unbelievable. They miss shots and people just absolutely riot. It's a make or miss league. The Celtics made shots in the first quarter, they missed shots in the second, and then they made shots the rest of the way. Like, do people honestly think that the coaching staff said, hey, whatever worked in the first quarter, we're going to get rid of it? Like, stop. Teams make adjustments. Scott Brooks made adjustments. Brad made adjustments. It happens. Like, I understand, like, in a, in important games going 0 to 100. I really do. Be, because being there, I'm one of them. Like, when Romeo Langford missed that free throw, I turned into a puddle because I thought, oh, my God, this is it. If we lose by one, it's Romeo Langford's fault. I've been there. 
But like, I also am kind of joking around when I do that. It makes me feel better in some Kanye West, beautiful, dark, twisted fantasy way. But like these people that are like, they go 0 of 12, even though they went 5 of 10, they shot 50% from three. That's not going to last all game. And the fact that people are just like, oh, my God, we should fire the coach. And these, you can't trust these players. And we need to tank. Oh, my God. Like, take a deep breath. Relax. Anyways, what else do we have to talk about from this Wizards game? Oh, yeah. Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker was terrific tonight. 29 points, 7 assists, 10 of 24 from the field, 6 of 14 from 3. You love to see it. And... He changed his sneakers in the second half, and my oh my did it work because I think he hit two or three pointers within the first three or four minutes of that third quarter, and that expanded the Celtics league lead, and after that, it was a wrap, an absolute wrap. It was over. They defended Ishmith better in the second half, but the concern going forward may be the rebounding because, yes, Tristan Thompson had 12 rebounds. Yes, Tatum had eight for a total of 20 and then the rest of the team had 29 total total rebounds. Yikes. Yikes, 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 yikes. Not great, Bob. Not great at all. But I don't know. The The rebounding was really concerning because I, I think at one point the Celtics were down like, oh, God, what was it in the first quarter? I think they were down like 30 to 17 in rebounds at the end of the first half or, or something like that, and that was beyond concerning. They didn't rebound the ball very well, but hey, shit happens. Hopefully that can improve. But the Wizards got within six within that fourth quarter, and the Celtics didn't care. They took the punch, and they punched back, and they get the win, and they win the first ever play-in game at TD Garden, and now we face the Brooklyn Nets. So what's going to happen in this Brooklyn Nets series? To be honest with you, I don't know. And it all starts Saturday night at 8 p.m. When is the rest of the series? I don't know. It will probably get announced the second I'm done posting this podcast because that's my luck. But anyways, uh, the Celtics have lost to the Nets three times this year. 123 to 95, 121 to 109, and then 109 to 104. The The Celtics haven't played the Nets at full strength at all this year. And what I mean by that is Kyrie... James Harden, and Kevin Durant. They haven't played <laughs> at full strength. And the one time that the Celtics were full strength, they lost by 12. Like, it's just absolutely ridiculous. My big thing here is, you know, can Kemba maybe keep up with Kyrie? Maybe. Can the rest of the starting lineup outside of Jason Tatum, you know, Fournier, Smart, and hopefully the Time Lord, if not Thompson, can they keep up with Durant? Maybe. It's who's going to keep up with James Harden? I think James Harden is the most important player for this for this Nets team because he can facilitate better than anyone. He has no problem rebounding the basketball, and he can he can be deadly shooting the ball, as we all know, especially that step-back three. It's, it's deadly. Kyrie Irving's going to get his. Kevin Durant's going to get his. But how involved does James Harden get everyone else? James Harden hasn't been the greatest performer in the playoffs. He seems to be, you know, he wears out at the end of the year. You saw that a lot with the Rockets, but he's gotten so much time off this year that he should be in good condition for it. But minus James Harden being the big issue, I think the biggest issue in the series is going to be the bench. Because, like I said, you think Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum, let's just say they're a wash. Kemba and Kyrie, let us pray that's a wash. And then you hope Smart, Evan Fournier, and Time Lord are also on that same pedestal as whether it's KD, Jason Tatum, whatever the case may be. But you have Blake Griffin. 
you have DeAndre Jordan, you have Jeff Green, you have Landry Shamit, you have Bruce Brown, you have Claxton. Like, we don't have anyone on the roster that can match up with that. And I think we saw that the last time we played the Nets when we lost 109-104 to 104 against them. The bench got absolutely smoked. And that's a major concern because let's think about it. Can Aaron Neesmith maybe defend Jeff Green? Sure, Jeff Green's a veteran. He knows he knows his spots. He knows what's he knows what to do. Landry Shamit can Peyton Pritchard or Romeo Langford defend him properly because once he gets going from the three point ball, that's great. And thinking about the three point ball, I even talked about Joe Harris. I mean, Joe Harris is one of the best three point shooters in the league. So yes, we can talk about Evan and Harden or Jason Tatum and Kevin Durant or Kyrie and Kemba, but Joe Harris is going to light, could light the Celtics up as well as Landry Shannon. So got to keep an eye on that. And then Claxton, if Time Lord doesn't play, Claxton off the bench for them, he's going to destroy Cornette. He's going to destroy Grant Williams. He's going to destroy Shemi, whoever plays. So the bench to me has to be lights out in this series. Peyton, Aaron, Tristan, because I hope the Time Lord plays. Uh, Romeo, Shemi, I'm not going to mention number 12 in any way, shape, or form. But then you also got to think, hey, can maybe Brad Stevens outcoach a first-year Hall of Fame <laughs> former MVP coach in Steve Nash? If you if you think differently that Brad Stevens isn't as good as coach as Steve Nash, then you're an idiot because Brad Stevens is a better coach because Steve Nash didn't even perform well enough in the playoffs when he won the MVP. So let's just stop the nonsense. Steve Nash has never been in this position before. Brad has. This is like a positive for the Celtics. I know a lot of people are like, oh, you got to fire Brad Stevens. He sucks. But the positive is Brad Stevens has, I think, been in the playoffs every single year he's been here. If, if not, maybe they missed a year. But Brad Stevens has a lot more playoff experience. But going up against three Hall of Famers, Steve Nash is going to look like a, de- a genius. Offense-wise, the Nets have the best offensive rating in the league, and that's scary. But the Nets suck on defense. They really do. I mean, the Celtics finished higher than them. I mean, the Nets had a, I think, a bottom eight. It's either a bottom seven or a bottom eight defense this year. That's not great. But the thing is, can the Celtics keep up with the scoring even against a crappy defense? If the Nets are going to put up, let's just say, 120 points all right, a night, can the Celtics do that? Because the Celtics couldn't even put up 120 points when Tatum drops 50 and Kemba dropped, what, 29? <laughs> That's crazy. So to me, it's can the Celtics defend? I don't know. Celtics didn't have a great year defending the basketball, but no one cares about that because people, I guess, only you know complain about offense. But the other thing we got to talk about is Kyrie has, a, has yet to play in front of Celtics fans. I don't like to talk about that narrative, but it, but it is true. I mean, obviously Governor Baker the other day announced that the state of Massachusetts is going to be wide open on May 29th. So until then, if they play on the 26th and the 28th, Kyrie's only going to be in front of 12% capacity. But if they play on Saturday the 29th and it's 100% and it's full capacity for the first time, and Kyrie Irving is going to be playing there, <laughs> that's going to be fun. That's going to be an absolute blast. Now, some of the other things that the Nets don't do very well, they don't rebound the ball very well, unlike the Wizards. The Celtics are in the top 13 
in rebounding this year, and the Celtics, and the Nets were 23rd on defensive rebounds. you got to limit those second-chance points with those teams because the thing is, with a team like the Nets, DeAndre Jordan, if he does get that rebound, or James Harden or Kevin Durant, they're smart enough to kick it out. So that means the Celtics' defensive rotations have to be spot on. They can't leave their man because Kyrie can hit a three, James Harden can hit a three, Joe Harris can hit a three, Kevin Durant can hit a three, Jeff Green can hit a three, Landry Shamit can hit a three, and the list goes on. Like, it's simple as this. Limit their ball movement, rebound the basketball, and defend. That's it. If you do that, maybe you can make this a six-game series. I don't think this goes six. I think the Celtics are losing five. If the Celtics lose in six, I actually be kind of happy. If the Celtics go to seven games, oh, screw it. Let's go. Shoot or shoot, right? Let's let's hope let's hope it works out. But just don't get swept. Just don't get swept. That's all that I ask for. The Nets aren't good on defense. Move the ball. If you move the ball, maybe you can keep up scoring the basketball. Rebound, defend, and pray. That's that. And that's it for episode 126 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I will be coming out with a new podcast on Sunday because the Celtics and the Nets are playing round one, game one, at 8 p.m. on Saturday. I will be releasing one on Sunday morning. Make sure you check it out. We'll talk then. Thanks for listening twice this week and probably three times before the end of the week. I really appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.